You're listening to the Things I Think About podcast. I'm your host, Jim Stroud. Hello, sir. How are you? I am quite well, sir. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Tell us, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Eric Hohal, and uh, I am a podcaster, not unlike yourself. Um, I do a podcast called Free Minds Podcast. It's one word. Um, and it's all about just sort of exposing this fake layer of reality that uh, the media and big tech and the Democrats have have created. Uh, it's all just about kind of peeling back the mask, you know, and uh, trying to get at what's actually going on and talking about the things they don't want us to talk about. Now, um, for those who don't know, you are like myself, African-American, and you're thinking against what the left wants you to think. Did you ever get any pushback from that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can tell by your laugh. You already knew the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a big rhetorical yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been called an Uncle Tom. I've been called a white supremacist. I've been called, I mean, you name it. Um, yeah. And and it's the funniest thing is white liberals will say racial slurs to me. And it's like, <laughs> do you not see? You, they really don't see... Uh, the irony they don't see that leftism they don't see that identitarianism they don't see that all of these things are it's it is segregation True. if you if you look at uh some you know papers written by like ibram x kendi or kimberly crenshaw or any of these people their writings are not dissimilar to the writings of white supremacists their writings are not dissimilar to authoritarian leaders throughout history uh was it peter bogosian and james Lindsay? did a little experiment where they took the writings of Hitler and they substituted Jews for white people. And they got these, uh, they got these papers submitted and published in academic papers around the, around the country. Really? Because yeah, you can look it up. That's what they, that's, that's how I came to know them. They, uh, they pulled this little stunt where they, you know, they switched out just a couple terms, you know, for the, for the commonplace oppressor and oppressed and all the, political you know buzzwords and they got these papers submitted to all these leftist institutions all these academics and the intelligentsia were all applauding and cheering it for them and it's like they really are the racists they've been the racists the whole time the democrats are the party of slavery the democrats are the party of jim crow the democrats voted against the 13th 14th and 15th amendments the Democrats voted against the 1964 Civil Rights Bill. I mean, the Democrats have been destroying Black people since day one. They have just successfully created this narrative where they're the good guys. They have figured out how to game the system so they can continue to destroy the Black community while simultaneously seeming like they're trying to help. And that's how they're allowed to destroy our society. If you want to see someone's uh, liberal's head explode, mention that Martin Luther King was a Republican. I think he was right. the... <laughs> He, I think he might have been the last major African-American figure mutually um, beloved on both sides that was Republican that I yep. know of. Yeah, I, I know can't of. think of Maybe, maybe Colin Powell, but it's not quite the same. He uh, was hated. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't, you didn't uh, match that mindset. That nope. experiment you mentioned reminded me of something that uh, actually Candace Owens did uh, a few years back. There was this writer for the New York Times, Sarah Young. I think her name was. Oh yeah, yeah. And very, very racist. Very person. racist. Yeah. And she and she took her uh, Candace Owens took Sarah Young's tweets, substituted the word white for black, and she got uh, censored on Twitter for that. Yeah. <laughs> the irony. 
racism is only acceptable against this group of people yeah yeah truly and truly. and they call it anti-racism which they makes, made up a fancy new word it, it, it makes no sense you know that maybe you've heard of this too this was a few years back as well where a lot of black students were lobbying to have separate graduations and separate dorm rooms oh, uh, yeah. because, because they felt like it would be more of a safe space mm-hmm. and, and i was like this is like we're like in a bizarre world because it wasn't the civil rights era all about stopping that kind of separate, separate, uh, separate yes. equal supposedly yeah, kind of thing. Um, yeah. They, the, the left has convinced people, well, essentially young people really, cause they've, mm. they've kind of been, they've been indoctrinating our kids from elementary school all the way up through college. They, they, it's weird that their, their policies are literal segregation. That's what they, they want everyone divided into into their their individual victim groups, and then they want everyone to attack the system based on their own, you know, perceived disadvantages. Yeah. It's the left went from being the ones pushing for integration, full circle to the ones pushing for segregation. It's it's crazy. Uh, how do you think? Why do you think this has been able to trend inside of the uh, black community? This uh, victimization mindset, um, this leftism. What, what do you? Why do you? What do you think fuels it in in the black community? That is a really, really I have deep a cu- question. I have a couple of theories. I'm gonna throw a couple of theories out at you. Okay. Right. So one is uh, the mainstream media, uh, which is full steam ahead with leftism, and they're constantly right. pumping that out. Um, also, but, but overall, I think it is cultural um, in that at, uh, if we as a black community just say, hey, we're going to change our culture, then I think it will stop. And, and a couple of... Absolutely agree with you. Yeah, because I remember, you know, back in my day, you mm-hmm. know, before there was gangster rap, mm-hmm. you know, you had Queen Latifah, uh, you had uh, Boogie Down Productions, you know, dropping, dropping knowledge. You had a, a totally different vibe, you know. It was all about uplifting uh, the people. It was about you know education. Uh, now it's after gangster rap took off, um, it, it all became you know cool to be a gangster. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. if you get good grades in school, then you're supposedly acting white. Mm-hmm. And I remember being accused of that when I was in school. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. It, what do you think it's going to take to make a culture change then and, and really save save this save our community as well as the country? Well, that is just an amazing question. And uh, I think, like you said, it's it's kind of a multifaceted problem, which is going to require a multifaceted solution. But sure. I agree that essentially it's a cultural issue. Um, if you look at the illegitimacy rates and wedlock rates in the black community prior to LBJ and uh, the model cities program and the modern day welfare program and all those things, Mm -hmm. uh, blacks actually had a higher rate of marriage than whites. Actually, there are some stats that show that even during slavery, blacks had a higher rate of uh, strong families Mm -hmm. than, than whites did. Um, you know, if you look at the poverty rates, it between 1940 and 1960, the, the black poverty rate fell from 84% to 44%. Mm. 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden, LBJ comes along to help the black community. And within a few short years after those policies were passed, um, illegitimacy rates in the black community skyrocketed. Uh, crime in the black community skyrocketed. Fatherlessness skyrocketed. And all of these things are connected. Essentially, in my opinion, the government incentivized women to kick men out of the home to get free benefits and marry the government. They essentially replaced a father in the home with money in the bank. Mm -hmm. And um, of course this led to, I mean, I'm sure you know the, the, the data on children that grow up without fathers. They're something like 18 times more likely to go to prison. They're, yep. it's, it's staggering how much benefit having two parents in the household can be i would say that's actually the biggest privilege one can have even if you grow up in a very poor country like somalia if you have two good parents that are willing to raise you properly teach you proper values and instill uh, knowledge in you that will help you in your life you're better off than if you were born to a single mother and and you're rich that's so, I mean, the black community has been, in my opinion, systematically destroyed by the left. I, I, so, I could... that, so that they can say, look at, look at these poor people. They've been completely destroyed. We have to rip out all of our American institutions. We have to completely fundamentally change everything about our society because it clearly led to this result without the recognition that it's the left's policies that led to these results. You know, it's like the yep. Democrats are pointing at all the racism and bigotry and hatred in this country that they caused in, in, in the past. And they're saying because of all this racism and hatred and bigotry that we committed against black people, you have to let us burn down America for black people. It literally makes no sense any way you slice it. But because they control the media, they control the opposition, they control the narrative, they control everything. There's no stopping them. So I think it's got to be it's gotta be people like us having conversations, trying to wake people up, trying to get people to acknowledge the facts, trying to get people to see that we need strong families. That's the, that's the root of our society. We need strong, we need fathers and mothers raising children, not teaching them that all their problems can be solved by big daddy government, not teaching them that everything is because if you don't have something, it's because someone took it from you. It's because rich people are rich that you're poor. It's this this all or nothing mentality. It's this idea that you're just the ultimate victim and your only, get, your only job is to be a, an advocate or an activist. Uh, it's, it's all part of their plan and it's the most disgusting, insidious thing I can imagine when you really zoom out and look at everything they've done and what they're trying to do based on black people's oppression, which they caused. Sorry, that was a really long ranty answer. No, no, but... no, I appreciate it all. I appreciate it all. And as you said that, I was thinking of uh, a couple of things. One, I was thinking if somebody really wanted to prove what you said, uh, which I find uh, all true, is they could look at data. Because I'm more, of, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big data and statistics guy. So exactly, Thomas uh, Soul. Oh yeah, love the guy. Yes, <laughs> um, you He's look my Oprah, at... <laughs> <laughs> my spirit animal. That's so right. If you were to look at, uh, if you if someone said the argument that, well, I can't make it in America or black people are oppressed in America because of our color or skin. And that's why there's always this um, wall of oppression against us. Then I would say, well, let's look at Nigerian Americans, 
Exactly. Right? Now, Nigerian Americans, I'm looking at some stats from, from Pew Research, uh, 59% of foreign-born Blacks from Nigeria have a bachelor's or an advanced degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, also the idea overall of divorce in their culture is considered taboo. Not that it doesn't yep. happen, but mm -hmm. it's as a stigma uh, to being, uh, being divorced and the, much more, I'd imagine, for having um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, children out of wedlock. Now, they come over here and they become successful. And arguably, they have darker skin than a lot of uh, yes. uh, Black people here. So you can't say that uh, the color of their skin holds them back when they are successful. And there are other yep. stats I can mention, um, like, uh, let's see here, uh, half of Asians aged 25 and older, 51%, have a bachelor's degree or more, uh, compared with 30% of, of all Americans in this age. And so their color didn't hold them back. You know? Right. Uh, and then I also want to invite you and others who are listening to check out this book from Amazon. I'm waiting for it to come in the mail now, but it's called Black Fortunes, and it is intriguing. I'm going to read a little bit of it here just because what you said really uh, got me on fire here. <laughs> I want to read right. this part. All right. So the astonishing untold history, this is the, this is the back of the book I'm looking at on Amazon. The okay. astonishing untold history of America's first Black millionaires. Former slaves who endured incredible challenges to amass and maintain their wealth for a century. From the Jackson, Jacksonian period to the Roaring Twenties, self-made entrepreneurs whose unknown success mirrored that of American's business heroes, such as Henry Ford, John Rockefeller, and Thomas Edison. And then further down in the description, it talks about this, uh, while Oprah... Jay-Z, Beyonce, Michael Jordan, and Will Smith are among the estimated 35,000 Black millionaires in the nation today. These famous celebrities were not the first Blacks to reach the storied 1%. Now catch this. Between the years of 1830 and 1927, as the last generation of Blacks born into slavery was reaching maturity, a small group of smart, tenacious, and daring men and women broke new ground to attain the highest levels of financial success. These are people who were literally born to parents of slaves mm -hmm. and due to hard work, ingenuity, and some luck, I imagine, uh, they became millionaires. Now, can someone tell me that America was less racist <laughs> right after the Civil <laughs> War than it is now? Yeah. You know, then how yeah. come these people, and I'll name some of them, uh, Madam C.J. Walker is probably the one most people know about. Uh, she became America's first female Black millionaire. Uh, there was Mary Ellen Pleasant, who used her gold rush wealth to further the cause of abolitionist John Brown. There was Robert Reed Church, a large landowner in Tennessee. Uh, Hannah Elias, who was a millionaire in New York City. Uh, an orphan who taught herself chemistry, uh, Annie Turnbull Malone, developed the first national brand of hair care products. And she is someone Madam C.J. Walker worked for at one point. So there are stories at the turn of the century of Blacks being millionaires. Now, what's the difference between how our community was then as it is now? And I think you hit on it earlier. We had stronger families. Yep. And we also had a more of an emphasis on education and yes. entrepreneurism. Uh, we weren't thinking about robbing and stealing, huh. 
Uh, you we weren't were, victims back then. We're not victims back then. Not at all. Like th- these people were slaves, but they still didn't think of themselves as victims. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, I've read a really interesting book by Walter Williams, who I'm sure you're familiar with mm-hmm. if you know Thomas Sowell, um, called Race and Economics, where he talks about all of these uh, these slaves in the South. They would work all day in the fields doing whatever it is they did, whether cotton or whatever, tobacco. And then at night, they would go work a second job making actual money and they would save up money, buy their own freedom and then start a business. I mean, this was happening all throughout the 1800s, obviously up until, you know, emancipation. Um, it's, it's incredible. These people that were literally oppressed, that were literal slaves and they didn't sit around all day whining and complaining, expecting somebody to save them. They got up off their I don't know how you feel about profanity on your show. <laughs> they got up off their butts. Uh, they went that. out chasing the American dream and they did it. They bought their freedom. They didn't let their, their poor beginnings hold them back. You know, they didn't let their past decide their future. The, the, what the left wants from blacks now is to simply look at whatever you have and whatever you don't have. And either way, it's white people's fault. What, 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 what the left is essentially saying is that black people can't succeed without white people. Yeah. That's really what it comes down yeah, to. They don't recognize the own bigotry in saying that. They're, they're yep. truly no, there's, there's no bigotry when you're a Democrat. You can't, you can't be racist because that's a Republican thing. You know what I mean? Like they yeah, can yeah. say the yeah. most racist, absurd, psychotic things. But because they're Democrats, they are above reproach. They own the system. I wonder how the black community um, of Madam C.G. Walker's day, uh, who were slaves that day, worked at night to, to earn their freedom, uh, how, they were, how they would look at our community today. And people, and, and they will look at it and say, look, you know what, even though we got a raw deal. We knew that one day it would get better. Now we're looking at you, modern day blacks. Yeah. You have all these luxuries. You even had a black president twice, elected right. twice to the country. You are living the dream that we sweated and and died for. Yes. And you are basically ungrateful. Yep. I guess that's the right word. I guess ungrateful is the right word. Didn't I, didn't I... They've been conditioned to be ungrateful, you know, because that is what is politically expedient to, to, to one side. If black people are angry, then, then if you're choosing not to listen to them, then you're a racist because they're black and they've been oppressed. And that means that their voices should carry more weight now. You know, the, the, the entire, exactly what you were talking about, these black millionaires and these black entrepreneurs, there was this entire period where blacks were dominating the workforce in the South. There was, they actually, at, at one point they had, they made legislation to, to restrict blacks from working so much because they were taking jobs from white people. Yep. Black people were out there chasing the American dream and they've been doing it for over a century. We, you look at, I think it was only, I forget the exact statistic. I don't want to make anything up, but it was shortly after slavery it was something like 40% of the black community learned to read within a generation or something like that. It's something, some incredible number where it's like these people were actually oppressed. They not only physically, but 
they had their education suppressed. They had the, they weren't allowed to know how to read. They weren't allowed to learn information that could endanger the masters. And with all of this, with all of that, they didn't let it stop them. They didn't let victimhood mentality creep in because victimhood mentality, once, once you give your power away, you're no longer responsible for your situation, which, which also means you can't fix your situation. You can't change your situation at all because it's someone else, somewhere else's fault. And that's exactly what they want. I think you hit on the essence of left versus right, accountability versus blame. Yes. That, I, think that, I think that's a true essence of left versus right. On the left, there's always someone else to blame for you not doing what you could not have accomplished. On the right, is all about accountability. You may not, yes. I think, uh, I think with Frederick Douglass in this world, you don't get everything you earn, but you must work for what you do get. Yes. You know? Yeah, it's often framed, uh, the right is often framed as being cold or uncaring or uh, callous to the, you know, the, the needs or the, yeah. the historical, God, I can't think of the word, oppression, no, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're often framed as being mean and, and uncaring, but that's simply not the case. They just understand that once you give into the mentality of being a victim and once you give your power away, you are powerless. If you want to lift yourself up, start a business, get a job, there's literally no one stopping you. Like you just said, we had a black president elected by a majority white people in this country twice. Yep. I'm sorry, but there's no racist. I mean, is, are there racist people? Absolutely. Are there institutions out there that are systematically oppressing black people? I'm sorry, there's just not. People make decisions and their life is a representation of the decisions they choose to make. And people who have inverted values, like, uh, like you were talking about rap music, and essentially, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, convict music, that's a real thing. <laughs> It's a real thing. These people are like, it's cool to be in jail. It's cool to be a criminal. It's cool to sell crack. To be this a dropout. Is what, this is what you aspire to. This is what the left wants for, for blacks. They want you to aspire to be a criminal and a statistic so that they then have statistical fodder to destroy the community, to destroy the country. And I mean, it's got to it's got to come from like change has to come from within, people within. waking up. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. It has to come within the community. We have to make the change uh, ourselves. We have to say, Hey, you know what? I don't like that type of music. I don't like the message it's giving. So you know yes. what? I'm not going to buy it. And yes. Nothing will change anything like just not buying something. You've got to vote with your dollar in this country. Yeah. Or your feet, you know, I'm not going to go to this concert. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to subscribe yes. to that. And after a while, they'll, they'll get the message, you know, go woke, go broke is a, a very true thing. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of companies that want a virtue signal uh, will continue to do so at their own, at the cost of their, of their at the cost of their business. Right. But in my opinion, um, it leaves an opening for people like Trump to come along and say, guess what? Like I, the, see, so the thing that opened my eyes, the thing that really got me, that was my, my sort of portal to reality from the fake news world that I was stuck in was Trump was I, I you know, I'd watch CNN or MSNBC or whatever. And I'd see these, these black pundits and they'd be, you know, bloviating about how, 
being they're they're so oppressed and it's so terrible and America is so racist and this and that. And then I see Trump one day, he goes, you know what? Black people in inner cities, you've got no jobs, you've got terrible education, you've got this, you've got that. You keep voting Democrat. Vote for me. What have you got to lose? Literally, what do you have to lose? He said. And I I watched on a dime those same black pundits on the news go, well, how dare he suggest being a black person in America isn't a wonderful. And it's like, you cannot have it both ways. You literally cannot. Either it's terrible and awful and you hate your situation or it's wonderful and you don't want to change it. Like you don't get to sit there and rail about how evil and racist everything is. And then when someone comes along and says, okay, well, you've been voting Democrat for 70 years and it's not working out maybe shake things up a little and then you're still mad no he's suggesting a solution and it became clear to me in that moment they don't want a solution they just want to have something to rail and complain about to get people all riled up because that's more politically expedient than actually solving the problem you can count on the argument every four years uh exactly clockwork the time has crept up on me uh wow this was a great great conversation somebody wanted to get uh wanted to um, consume more of your content. How can they find you online? Um, so my podcast is free minds podcast. It's all one word. Um, it's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on radio public. It's on pocket cast. It's on a bunch of different platforms anchor. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at the free minds podcast community. Feel free to join and, uh, free minds podcast on Twitter, uh, M-N-D-S. It wasn't enough space to put the I in minds, but uh, <laughs> so yeah. Well, great. I'll also uh, uh, add a link to all of this in the podcast description. So in case uh, for the listener who doesn't have a chance to jot it down, just go to the description. It's right there for you. Uh, Eric, thank you so very much for blessing us all for being on the Things I Think About podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate you having me on. You have been listening to the Things I Think About podcast. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. Drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D at JimStroud.com. So until next time, bye-bye.